Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, March 31st. Counting to ten is a well-known technique for dissipating anger. You might carry this practice a step further. Visualize with each number you count a progressive expansion of awareness. Your perspective will thereby broaden incrementally, dissipating your anger and changing your whole outlook, first to acceptance, then to empathetic understanding. This is a very fun idea that Swami is suggesting here. Of course, you have to be calm enough to start counting before you speak, which is, of course, a relevant point. But let's assume, for the sake of this discussion, that you have enough self-control to realize that you would like to count. And here's, here's a good way for you to think about, we'll talk in just a moment about what he's actually suggesting, but it'll also give you a good way to think about why this would be so effective. Let's say that something happens that perhaps even in and of itself is a big black blob. Maybe let's say this situation is taking place in your own house. Let's say someone close to you, a child, a husband, your mother-in-law, somebody, has done something that is just so frustrating to you, but they, you know, you've been trying to communicate and they just don't get it. For example, uh, a woman talked to me once about how her husband would help with the children in the morning, but invariably he would allow the milk to boil over on the stove, and invariably he would never clean up the stove. So every morning she would come down and there would be this burned or dried milk on the stove that he had left for her to clean up, and, you know, she was contemplating divorce. That's basically where we were. (laughs) So, it's rude of him to let the milk boil over. It's rude of him not to clean the milk. It's inconsiderate of him knowing that she's asked him in as many ways, nice ways as she can think of, to please clean up the milk. He is a house husband, actually, or at least he doesn't work as much as she does. He has time to clean up the milk. He just doesn't want to or forgets or whatever his reasoning is. So something real has happened. Uh, meaning it's not like it's not like a paranoid or a made up complaint this is this is really happening and let's just say it's a black spot and and in many other ways this husband is a very nice husband you know do we divorce him because he doesn't clean the milk off the stove well when we get angry enough these things begin to build if we attack him frequently enough for not cleaning up the milk he could become either defensive or hurt or angry and you could end up literally divorcing over the boiled milk. I mean, talk to your friends. You know, it starts with nothing, but then that nothing becomes angry, the anger becomes mean, the mean becomes uncontrolled, and pretty soon you're fighting about what's happening now, not what really happened. This is why anger is such a terrible poison. In close, especially in close relationships, but everywhere in life. But something real has happened. A black spot has actually been created. 
So the question is, what is your perspective on that black spot? And if you take a black spot that's even just as big as your fist, and you put that fist right up against your nose, and you open your eyes and you look, almost the entire vision becomes that fist. That's basically what happens when we get angry. Something has happened. It comes right hits us literally, we often say, it hit me right between the eyes. It hits you right between the eyes. It's right up against your eyes. And even if your eyes are open, nothing else exists. Using the example of the fist, if you simply take your fist and start moving it away from your face and you stretch it out, you can keep your eyes on it the whole time. If you stretch it out in front of you, you can still see the fist. And if the fist were a big black dot of burned milk on the stove, it would still be sitting there. But it's very easy from this perspective. You can look around the room. And the size of the black dot in proportion to the rest of the room has completely changed from when it was right up against your eyes. And even if you tried to look around, oh, my fist is a little small, so I'm going to open my hand. Let's use an open hand. Because when you open your hand and put it over your eyes, there's nothing you can see. I can roll my eyes around completely behind my hand laid across my eyes, and I can still only see my hand, my black hand, let's call it in this case, my dark, angry hand. I put that hand out in front of me. I can see my whole life. So the question is, is exactly what Swami's writing here, one of proportion. And if I have my hands over my eyes, literally, all I can see is the spilled milk. I can't see all the other nice things that my husband has done for me. I can't see my beautiful children that he's helping me to raise. I can't see the beautiful house that perhaps he's helped earn the money to buy. I can't see his attractive face. I can't see our beautiful wedding pictures on the wall. I can't see anything. All I see is the spilled milk. If then I follow my vision of the spilled milk with words and feelings and actions that are based on there is no reality except the spilled milk. Well, clearly then, I can't live in the blackness created by that spilled milk. And you know, everything has to change. It's not right. On and on and on it goes. But it's all perspective, isn't it? And then you you can't even ask yourself the question, you know, why doesn't he clean up the spilled milk? Maybe he just really doesn't like to do that. I myself... I don't know about spilled milk on a stove. I have a, I have a f- fanatical aversion to housework, I think is actually the only way I can describe it. I will cook. I will actually also clean spilled milk on the stove sometimes. I don't mind laundry. I don't mind clothes. But I really intensely dislike vacuum cleaners. Cleaning bathrooms is pretty much the end of the world for me. My attitude toward life has always been I will earn enough money to pay someone to do this for me. And even though I don't earn very much money, I still pay someone to do this for me because there is never a time in my life when I am so bored or have so little to do that I would actually rather clean house. I was on vacation with friends once for a couple of weeks and we had rented a condominium. And in the middle of the vacation, she was vacuuming. One of the girls who was staying with me, I was watching her vacuuming thinking, In the middle of a holiday, she's vacuuming. It's like she lives in a completely different world than I live in. (laughs) I can vacuum. I now have actually this little wireless thing that is not so horrendous. But nonetheless, 
I never do housework if I can avoid it. And I'm 73, and I've pretty much managed to avoid it for almost my whole life. I'm making, I'm making it through to the end. I'm, I'm saying all of this humorously because, I mean, other friends of mine, I was staying with some friends in Spain, and we were uh, working together on a writing project, and it was wonderful, and we were having a wonderful time. And then when we would take a break, she'd go, like, mop the kitchen floor. <laughs> it was the same thing. It was like, what are you doing? Oh, she says, you just it's relaxing. You just do a little at a time, and your house is always clean. And I thought, no, no, actually, you wait two weeks, and then the housekeepers come. That, that's how you do it. <laughs> All of this is silly, but it isn't, because we don't actually know what really moves a person. And if we're really going to get upset with someone. This is the conversation I had with my friend when she brought this up to me. You know, would you rather clean the spilled milk every day or would you rather be a single mother? (laughs) You know, just like that's what you're asking yourself. Is this worth ruining my relationship with my husband over? Because clearly I've told him as many times as I can tell him and he's not going to do it. So let's assume for the rest of my life, every morning, I have to... I have to clean the milk off the stove. Am I better off living with my husband than not living with him? And so every time we're about to get angry, we have to, the reason we stop, and this is where Swami uses the word empathetic perspective, um, changing your outlook. You have to change your outlook. Ask yourself, you know, what is really involved here? This could be a preference. This could be an opinion. Is, is, there, really, is there really a divine principle here? Yes, it would be absolutely wonderful if people, well, how shall I put it, if people always took me into account and if people always understood me the way I understand me and if their values and priorities and sense of what they should do with their time and their energy always completely aligned with what me wants. What are the chances? And even in reverse, and, and you know, I think about this somewhat quite ruefully, things that people have asked me to do that I just never did. And I think sometimes, why didn't I? And well, I had a preference for this, or I had a preference for that. or But like, why? Why was I so stuck on that? And when you start thinking like that, well, what you get is you get a little empathetic understanding. I remember when I was in conflict with someone and I really wanted them, I really wanted them to reform themselves in the way that I was suggesting. I have no idea how Swami Kriyananda got involved into it. I just can't even think how he would have. But he did, somehow. And we were talking about it, and I was defending my uh, unrelenting determination to make someone be more the way I wanted them to be. I said, don't you think it would be good for him if he did what I'm suggesting? Swami's answer was extremely interesting. Oh, yes, he said, it would be very good for him which was an interesting response. And, you know, I thought I had something. But then he said, but of course you have to wait till it's his priority, not just yours. Oh, oh yeah, free will. Other people have their own destiny. Maybe I don't see his life as clearly as I think I do. Maybe he has his own intuition about things that doesn't happen to correspond with mine. What is it that makes us angry? It's when our desires are thwarted. I want it to be a certain way. I want life to be a certain way. I want you to be a certain way. And then we just blow up because it isn't. As they say, which is true, 
Whenever you pit yourself against reality, reality always wins. But when we pit ourselves with anger against reality, especially when our anger is either directed at, which is the worst, or profoundly affects other people, then we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is the priority here? Um, Swami Kriyananda's parents were married for 60 years, Ray and Gertrude Walters. Um, at the, toward the end of his life, he had a stroke. He lived uh, maybe a year longer than that. And when he first had a stroke and they couldn't quite take care of themselves anymore, I went down and lived with them for about six weeks. Eventually, someone else was found, but I was somewhere between a stranger and a family member, so they accepted me. So I lived with them for six weeks, and I really got to watch their relationship up close. They were, they were famous in their circle of friends for the extraordinary harmony of their relationship. Swamiji said in his whole life, knowing them, he never knew them to have a single argument. They just didn't argue. But their relationship was built profoundly on mutual respect. It wasn't because one or the other of them was suppressed or too low energy to argue. Not at all. They were both exceedingly dynamic, creative, active people. But the secret of their happy marriage, because their friends would ask, Ray, what is, what's the secret of your happy marriage? And he said, well, the day we got married, I said to Gertrude, I said, Gertrude, I'm the man in this family and I will make all the important decisions. And well, ever since Gertrude and I decided to get married, there just haven't been any important decisions to make which was deep, humorous, and beautiful. Because no matter what else happened, and I watched little thing, little, I would call them dis- differences of opinion, which is how they might go forward with something or, you know, uh, just, just little things. I mean, literally, like the egg beaters got uh, jammed together like this. And Gertrude um, has no, absolutely no aptitude for mechanical things and kind of a phobia about anything mechanical. And Ray was an engineer. Ray had lost a lot of physical strength, but Gertrude, well, actually, it wasn't even just that he'd lost strength. They were jammed together. Gertrude was quite um, concerned about it and uh, wanted me to drive the next day and take it to the repair shop. Ray thought if we just applied a little force, they would break apart. But Gertrude didn't want Ray to apply a little force to the egg beaters. So Ray wouldn't touch the egg beaters. But he kind of smiled at me and I applied a little force and the egg beaters popped open and we were fine. And all Gertrude said was, oh, isn't that nice? And on another occasion, Gertrude, Ray was a little incapacitated. Gertrude needed to do something with the television. Ray didn't want her to do it. She smiled sweetly and then went ahead and did it. She went ahead and bought a television that didn't have the right adapter, and it was, you know, it was a big problem. Ray never said anything. He just went ahead with it. Because once they had decided to love each other for the rest of their lives, nothing else, there were no other important decisions to make. It's just, it's keeping a sense of proportion. And whenever anger is about to strike, whatever the context, I've been talking a little bit about marriage, but marriage is by no means the only arena in which we become angry. We become angry because we lose proportion. Give ourselves to the count of ten, and every time we count a number, think about the bigger picture. Step back 
from what you're angry about. Take the, the black spot off your eyes and stretch it out in front of you and look at the whole big world and ask yourself whether this is really worth spoiling everything that's good. It can still be burned milk on the stove and I wish it were different, <clears throat> but I'll lose more than I'll gain if I give way to anger over it. So, <clears throat> counting to ten is a well-known technique for dissipating anger. You might carry this practice a step further. Visualize with each number you count a progressive expansion of awareness. Your perspective will thereby broaden incrementally, dissipating your anger and changing your whole outlook, first to acceptance, then to empathetic understanding. Joy to you, my friend. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.